0: Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 157 for Monday, September 6th, 2021. My name is Johnny, but the internet knows me as Pixorifs, and joining me as always is my good friend Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel. Hello, sir.
1: And if folks at home would like to hear a little bit more about what Johnny has been doing in his spare time, like reading The Lord of the Rings and experimenting with walkthroughs in Minecraft Middle Earth online, then you can check out the render distance. That's the extended conversation we have every week at patreon.com slash the spun chunks. And of course, it is the first episode of September. So a big shout out and thanks to all of our patrons who help make the show possible. If you're curious about becoming a patron, there's a bunch of benefits that you get. You get access to the Spawn Chunks Discord and the Discord role along with your support level. You get access to the render distance that I just mentioned. You get access to the quarterly hangouts, which we do three or four times a year uh, that involves some behind the scenes about how we are running the show and how things are going. There's a website or podcast audio credit, depending on your support level. And of course, patrons have unlocked a bunch of public perks like the chunk mail dispenser we do once a month and the roundtable episodes we do once a month.
0: Yeah, we are currently working towards having a monthly Minecraft audio hangout, which is our our next goal that I mention at the end of every show. And we are inching closer to that. We've had we've come along in like leaps and bounds from our support recently. So, uh, yeah, once again, thank you to all of our patrons. Um, Let's get into what we've been doing in Minecraft this week, Joel. What's new from the Citadel? So this week there was a a bit more texture work to kick things off.
1: Uh, I uh, took the road texture that was uh, started inside the east gate of West Hill where I did the courtyard last week and I kind of brought that out straight out the east gate in a couple of different directions to try and not make it final but i just i was really not happy with how things just kind of stopped like you just my stone road just kind of like ended about 30 feet outside the gate so Mm -hmm. i took the time to uh do a bunch of texture stuff i also wanted to practice a little bit and just kind of like decide how i wanted to treat every time a stone road in this build kind of dithers into a dirt road like you kind of want to have that that block palette sorted so now that i have it done whenever i need to do it again i can just pop back over to this area look at what i did used some brown concrete powder uh spruce and dark oak stripped logs uh, as well as some gravel and uh there was one other block that i think we found very useful oh um oak oak logs but with the bark on we found very Mm -hmm. handy uh in that sort of situation added a custom tree just some stuff to kind of guide your eye guide the path of the player that was really fun Uh, And then the the largest part left of the eastern part of the town uh, is the church courtyard, which was very, very empty and very bleak looking. And I thought there needs to be something useful here. So I started adding in uh, some vegetation there. I started off with some graves and some raised um, vegetable beds, just nothing like that's going to feed the masses, but the kind of thing where the land is there, they might want to use it to like feed the poor or feed themselves, depending on, on who's running the church, that kind of stuff. I haven't really thought too much about any of the RP, like the religion, big giant quotes as mm-hmm. to what's happening there. It just, it looks like a stone church. So th- something's going to have to happen there. Uh, and then I was originally doing a grass path just because it was the easiest thing to mark the the path. Um, but then I switched on Sunday to a more, um, dirty looking um combination of wood and 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 coarse dirt path and like that better but what i lost when i did that was the edging the geometric edging that a grass path gives you because yeah. it's that one pixel lower mm-hmm. well now in 117 we've got moss carpets and they look very much like grass so with a little bit of texture work and a little bit of fun i was able to maintain that edge by instead of digging down with the grass path going up with the moss carpets on the on the left and the right and I didn't have to do it the whole way down, which was really nice. It allowed me a little bit more freedom in that way. Um, then I got sidetracked. <laughs> Someone in chat mentioned, hey, you should maybe build like a little house for the priest. And I was just like, you know, that's a pretty good idea. And then I looked at this giant space that I had no idea what to do with. And I was just like, I'm gonna put it right here. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of went off the, just sideways. The pathwork stopped, <laughs> the flower garden stopped. I just went whole hog on this little cottage. And I was able to incorporate it into the wall. Uh, I was able to use like the palette from the church. So it came together quite quickly because like, I didn't have to think about what blocks to use. I just thought, well, it's probably going to be built at the same time, or at least of the same materials as the church. So it looked like it was, you know, part of the same thing. And so I just went, went at it and it came together quite quickly. Uh, I didn't do anything fancy, no angled builds. I did make it kind of like a little L shape. That's kind of where the, the stove and the chimney is for the build. And uh, it, it came together quickly. Uh, we didn't finish the whole courtyard because of my sidetrack <laughs> into the Vicar's cottage. Um, but I, I quite like the way that the thing is, is feeling. Uh, it's really hard to capture in screenshots because the courtyard is only about nine blocks wide at its widest and maybe five at its narrowest. Mm-hmm. So when you're taking a screenshot, you get a picture of what it looks like immediately in front of you. But it's really hard to capture the feeling now of walking around in this space compared to what it was before um and so the only thing left to do i i think is going to be adding on an unfinished side which i don't have screenshots of is a um i want to add some beehives i think it would be cool to have some beehives near the vegetables things like the you know the the vicar would be maybe harvesting honey Mm -hmm. uh i was thinking about adding some berry bushes and stuff near the cottage maybe even suggesting that there might be some winemaking happening but the problem I have with the berry bushes right now in a plains biome is that the green of the bushes is so different from, yeah, from yeah. the grass. And I've been using azalea and jungle leaves uh, mixed in for custom trees and custom bushes. They work really well, well together. And and the um, berry bushes, while cool on their own and looking great in a taiga, look very strange <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in, in this sort of situation. So I'll have to figure out a way to do it. Maybe I need to like separate them with some brown dirt or some, I don't know what I need to do, but we'll we'll see if I can come up with something. Um, But it was fun to just kind of throw together a really small build, and then spend most of the time just kind
0: of like for the lack of a better term, mowing the lawn. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was very satisfying, you know? It's funny how watching the grass grow becomes a completely different activity in Minecraft. <laughs> <And> it's <laughs> it's actually, yeah, you, you can you can do something about it a little faster than the the average the average person does. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to see that that those kind of areas coming together. And it's sort of similar actually to the stuff I've been working on for Empires SMP when we're not doing all of the big group event stuff. Like I am working on on this outpost of my town which is going to be more of the residential area inspired a little bit by environments from the early assassin's creed games like the way they depict damascus uh, and in and a couple of other sort of towns in the middle east uh, in the first assassin's creed just a lot of clustered together houses rooftops that you can feasibly leap from roof to roof maybe you know put a couple of gangplanks and walkways and stuff but working with a little bit more height and then doing the pathways in between those making it feel like these are roads well trodden and once it gets outside of town where like the central area of town I wanted to be more well maintained has paths that are made out of a variety of the pinker hue materials so there's a bit of terracotta in there there's a bit of granite there's a bit of dripstone there's a bit of uh you know jungle wood and the rooted dirt that I've been able to farm fairly successfully when it's just used for the occasional texture here and there um and so that continues into this town but then it starts to break up with sand a little bit implying that you know the sand just kind of blows through this town occasionally and there's not people sweeping it every day um and it's it's been a really fun project to work on however uh i have now gone into exile as far as the storyline goes <laughs> and so it's been weird taking things from like the passive rp that you were talking about earlier where you're coming up with just loose reasons why builds are there and a kind of like vague story that people can follow or not follow into active roleplay on this server which is oh no there is a literal demon out to get us (laughs) which is kind of where empires is going right now Uh, and there's some pretty shocking changes to some people's bases that the quote-unquote demon has been making which is uh, a lot of fun from from a a roleplay perspective um so now after the dragon fight has happened Basically, I realize that we have unleashed this horror upon the world and my my character, uh, as he is fast becoming, uh, basically leaves the town behind and is like I can't face my people knowing that I brought doom upon them all and I sort of wander off into the desert at the end of the last episode. But I still want to work on that town, (laughs) so I'm finding reasons and ways I can come back while I'm still kind of lost in the desert having this kind of... Uh, soul-searching moment Uh, and so there might be there might be other characters kind of popping up around there which I will be playing I guess but like trying to trying to infuse the area with a little bit more life and a a bit more of a a personality of its own whilst not just putting a ton of villagers in there Um, so I got some plans for that and it means I have a an excuse out of character to go back and continue building this city and actually making it what it what it needs to be what it what it should be and, and what it feels like it's shaping up to be in my head um but it's fun uh, on empires things are things are coming together uh we've been working on this storyline uh the lore has been developing over the last kind of few weeks and everything kind of finally came together with this this group dragon fight which was all 12 of us uh in the same fight um wow yeah and it, it was it was quite a production and I'm really happy that we pulled it off because um, we decided to to make the fight a little bit more of a a challenge for us and and to make sure it didn't just last like five seconds the way group dragon Fights tend to on a server where you're all pretty competent players. Um, mm-hmm. we we had one faction who didn't want the dragon to be killed because that was going to unleash this this demon character on the world. And so they were running around placing end crystals as the rest of us were destroying them. And so they were effectively like healing the dragon back up, which meant the fight ended up taking closer to like 15 minutes where it would have taken like three. Um, And and there was a lot of like running around in proximity chat going, why are they healing the dragon? We've got to stop them kind of thing. And, you know, I, I was on the team that just wanted to like, you know, open up the end and uh just go home again and and not have to leap into the void to avoid fighting the dragon and so th- there was, there was a uh, a lot of storylines kind of converging in in one place and I'm I'm really happy with the community response to that as well it was such a such a fun thing to do and a look at how you can really start to tell stories with Minecraft as your canvas which is not something I get to do all the time that's
1: really interesting i did not realize that if you added end crystals to the dragon fight that they actually healed the dragon i thought it was just the ones that were generated on the obsidian pillars oh, that did that
0: yeah no it's all of them uh so if wow. you if you if you wanted to yeah they were running around like placing obsidian blocks on the ground and like trying to pillar up so that it was harder for us to get to some of them oh and you know there, there was there's was some really interesting like strategy involved and and it it ended up i think with a few of them placing end crystals and then somebody would swoop in with elytra and shoot the crystal right away and then they'd end up getting blown up by it and so there are a few a few unfortunate deaths, but again, no, it was, it was very, very fun to do. Um, man, it sounds like a Death Star fight. It
1: sounds like the yes. X-Wings flying in doing the Death Star run. It's like, oh man, that's... I can only imagine some people just running around it's like, what's your job? Your job is to just stop the end crystals. We'll handle the dragon. You mm-hmm. just stop those guys. And I just imagine somebody running around going, stop it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's, laughs> what it's pretty, are you doing? Stop
0: it. <laughs> it's pretty much what it was. There is a shot uh, that I don't think I, I included like in the way I, I saw it when I was putting together the replay mod footage from this, but the way everyone's been building up their characters, a lot of them have, like, custom skins, custom, like, you know, weapons and armor and stuff now. They've been going all out with designing stuff that fits their empires. And it's also colorful and so well put together Mm -hmm. that there's a shot where all of us kind of gather on one of the outer kind of reaches of the end island before we all start running in and and the dragon fight kicks off it looks like the Avengers (laughs) being put together like (laughs) it's like this team of like fantasy superheroes all with these different colors and characters and everyone looks so distinct and interesting and like yeah hats off to everybody else who's playing on the Empire server right now those guys are absolutely killing it and it's it's a a delight to work with them on stuff like this when, when we can all get together and amazingly we managed to coordinate a dragon fight with all 12 of us which was which was kind of wild yeah. but, but it happened um in slightly less hectic news uh, i am now farming moss on the hardcore survival guide um and i put together a moss farm of my own design which i was very pleased with in the end even though you know i instantly had people telling me how this or that could have been done more efficiently i'm mostly using it for m- moss for building blocks um because i plan on using a fair amount of it in builds around the village that i'm i've I've kind of based in um and you know there's hobbit holes springing up there again my my interest in lord of the rings kind of comes back into play there but um i've got a few other builds that i want to use a significant amount of moss for and uh it just farming up a double chest of it took about half an hour with this design so you know even an inefficient moss farm is pretty powerful and i'm not you know converting the blocks or the off off shoots of it all of the moss carpet and seeds and azalea and everything i'm not worrying about converting that back into bone meal because i built this right next to my general mob farm which gives me a ton of bone meal just from AFKing there and skeletons dying so i ended up just making a manually loaded and you know a moss farm that could run for maybe an hour before it goes through all of the bone meal but at the end of that hour you'll have several double stacks of the stuff that you uh, double chests of the stuff that you need um so yeah, I was I was quite happy with this. It turned into a fairly compact moss farm design, something that I could throw together in a day instead of spending multiple gameplay sessions on it. And uh, aside from a little bit of design processing creative where I had to struggle a little bit with the redstone, um it it turned out pretty well in the end.
1: It's always really satisfying when you come up with your own version of a redstone farm or, yeah. or especially when it's I find especially when it's something that has such a high yield, like It takes a while to sort things out, but then when you get a moss farm going, like it's it's just fun to see that amount of stuff coming to you. You're like, yes, Mm. (laughs) look at what I have created. Yeah. Um, I found uh recently just doing all the the grass work on the Citadel that um still I use uh green concrete powder along with moss. Yeah, because it gives you now three different grass colors depending on what biome you're in, and and you can put grass and things on moss. So it, it, and flowers and everything that you can plant on grass, you can plant on moss. Mm-hmm. And it just gives you so many more options. Like those dirt sides of blocks when you see them behind bush blocks and or leaf blocks. And when you want to hide the, the some things, like moss is just really, really versatile. It's, it's not something you're going to necessarily, well, I say not. Some people will, but like, I, I don't think you're necessarily going to build like huge things out of moss, but having it, speckled just about everywhere makes a massive difference it's really understated how how useful it is i
0: think yeah it's one of the things i've been doing i've been mixing green concrete into some of the flower beds that i have around my desert city on empires and Mm -hmm. like it it works really well when the your other alternative is having the grass color in deserts which is that kind of like muddy like brownish green that Mm -hmm. you get and so while obviously some of the vegetation that grows up there if i want to go grass or ferns or anything that's you know very dependent on biome color um you don't get you get a little bit of a contrast there and it's noticeable but then of course all of the stuff that comes along with moss like azalea and azalea leaves and the flowering variants and everything like that yeah, you know, works perfectly if you want something to look a little bit more lush in this out of place environment so yeah it, it ends up working really well and <laughs> even building the moss farm in a desert biome like I did on my hardcore world yeah you the the green of it really pops and it's uh it's it's very very nice to have so hopefully putting some of that to good use in future, not quite sure exactly where all of it is going to go, but it also means kind of like an azalea farm as well, so not just getting the saplings from farming the trees themselves, I'm getting them from, yeah, building up a a stockpile of them from this farm, and then I can just go through with some more bone meal, grow all of those, get all the rooted dirt, get all the oak wood, and uh, it's going to make for some pretty good tree farming opportunities as well
1: and azalea trees are great for kind of springboarding any kind of custom tree you want to build too because uh i had to farm some azalea leaves because i was i had lots of saplings of course from my moss farm but i don't have a lot of azalea built up in terms of just chopping down the trees so i grew a half dozen live on stream and chopped them down but before i did that i stripped all the leaves off and you get some really unique shapes like if you i use oak trees a lot of the times to try to like hope for a big one and then i'll maybe Trim it or do some custom stuff to it to kind of make it look a little bit more robust. But I might change my tune and start using azalea trees to kind of get some really interesting leaf shapes because even the most basic azalea tree looks much different than your standard Minecraft oak tree.
0: Yes, yeah, they really do, and it's it's kind of nice. I'm I'm kind of hoping that we end up with a few more tree variants at some point in in future. Uh, before we yeah. get in, before we get into the news, uh, just. On the topic of farm efficiency, because I think it's nice to provide a, uh, a counter-argument to some of the stuff I say about not caring much about the efficiency of farms, Doc uh, DocM77's latest, uh, well not even latest now, but his 11th episode of this season of Hermitcraft has a farm that produces 100,000 snowballs per hour um <laughs> he created or, or rather rebuilt because i think it was created by methods from the Cycraft server this really interesting uh effectively like 3d printing snow uh by running snow golems over a uh, an area of soul sand i think um he's set this thing up where TNT will destroy all of these snow layers. Dolphins pop up from the middle of the farm and collect it because you know the way dolphins will like play with items. If you chuck an item into the water mm-hmm. near a dolphin, they'll they'll come up. The dolphins actually collect the snowballs in a stack on mass and bring it back down into the farm with them so that it can be pushed out into the collection area and as far as like efficiency goes the reasons doc gives for building something like that is because you're on a server it's an active community you don't want to spend all of your time afking at farms you also have to take like lag into consideration as well you want to be able to produce as many items as possible at once so you never have to think about it again and obviously with snowballs it's a bit different because they stack to 16 so if you're producing that many items the amount of stacks of items you're producing is actually much higher and you end up with like lag issues from entities just being present on the server but uh yeah the 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 justification there and one that i probably need to give some more consideration to when i'm building my own farms is efficiency is good in terms of how much time it saves you and how much you can avoid inconveniencing other people right like if you if you end up running a farm that's super intensive for an entire day then nobody else on the server is going to be able to get anything done so i think it's kind of nice to appreciate the other angle of uh efficiency in these things and that's probably why people preach it so heavily in my comments section right yeah looks cool and you
1: only have to turn it on for 15 minutes as opposed exactly to the, the whole day yeah. yeah
0: no that makes sense Exactly. Right. Uh, Let's move on into the news, though, because we have some very exciting news this week. First of all, before we get into Experimental Snapshot 6, Minecraft Live is back. Announced via the video on minecraft.net and the video uh, embedded on YouTube, Um, Minecraft Live is going to be broadcast on October 16th at noon Eastern Time. Uh, It's 9am Pacific Time, 1pm for Joel, 5pm for me. Adjust for your time zone accordingly. The event promises in-depth interviews, future update reveals, and another mob vote. Uh, Once again, more information about that is on the minecraft.net article, but... We'll obviously be waiting for a little bit more news to come out about what the mob vote is going to be and any further details of the event are probably coming a bit later. That's just them announcing that it's going to be happening October 16th. Save the date. Aside from that, though, once again, Java Edition at 1.18 Experimental Snapshot 6 has arrived. Uh, Once again, the changelog is from the same blog post as usual and it's comparing Experimental Snapshot 6 to Snapshot 5. Tweaked placement of the new mountain biomes so they match the mountain terrain and temperature better, grove and snowy slopes are less likely to generate on mountain peaks. In cold climates, grove and snowy slopes tend to start much lower down, while in temperate and hot climates they tend to start higher up. Tweaked biome placement to reduce the risk of cold microbiomes, such as a small splotch of snowy tundra in the middle of a forest, quote-unquote, bird poop microbiomes. They can still happen, but just not as often. They fixed an accidental change from the last snapshot that made lush caves smaller and more fragmented. They should now be about as common as they were in experimental snapshot four. Giant tree tigers and giant spruce tigers no longer count as cold climates from a biome placement perspective. So these biomes are less likely to be mixed in with snowy biomes. This caused a small reshuffle of other biomes to maintain the overall balance. The number of water springs has been slightly reduced, the number of underwater magma blocks has slightly increased to increase the chance of finding air when you're diving in aquifers. And speaking of those, there are cavier ocean floors. Aquifers under oceans and rivers are more likely to link to the underground, and this means you're more likely to find cave openings on ocean floors that actually lead somewhere instead of just being cut off. One consequence of this is that caves at Y0240 0 below oceans are more likely to be flooded and if you dive into an underground lake you might end up inside one of those flooded caves and pop out at the bottom of an ocean. Underwater ravines are back, cave carvers can now carve through sand and gravel on ocean floors, so underwater ravines and caves will no longer be hidden under a layer of gravel or sand. As opposed to Minecraft 1.17, they no longer use a specific carver for underwater ravines. They just use normal noise cave generation and carvers, but on ocean floors. So the underwater ravines won't look exactly the same as they do in 1.17, but will have a lot more natural variation. Magma may still generate inside them, as with all flooded caves. Horses, mules, and donkeys now follow players holding their preferred food. So golden apples, golden carrots, enchanted golden apples for horses, mules, and donkeys. And similarly, llamas now follow hay bales. Swamps can now generate in dry areas. They couldn't in the last snapshot, which seemed to make sense at the time, but it turned out that sometimes a small area was drier than the surrounding area, causing microbiome issues like small uh, small spots of deserts in the middle of swamps. Swamps should now be less fragmented as a result.
1: In uh, other news, just before the show, I noticed that uh, Henrik Nieberg posted a a video on YouTube entitled Minecraft 118, Prepping a Snapshot and Explaining How Stuff Works. Big old asterisk, I haven't watched this yet because it was published on the 3rd and I only found out about it this morning. However, uh, after having Henrik on the show a few weeks ago, I'm sure it'll be an interesting watch for those who are wanting to understand more about the nuts and bolts of terrain changes happening in 118 snapshots. If you have the hour and fifteen minutes, so be prepared for quite an in-depth look. Uh, the description from the YouTube video from Henrik says: "Before each snapshot, I like to do some playtesting in survival, just to check that things look okay. Several people have suggested I record such a session, so I figure why not. Here is a playtest session from the morning before releasing experimental snapshot six. I also explain a bit about how the new terrain generation works, including the new stuff on the F3 overlay." Uh, I'll be checking this out later for sure. It looks like an interesting, interesting watch.
0: Same. Yeah, definitely.
1: King B Dogs also tweets that the Deep Dark and the Warden are quote unquote going well. Uh, We can't show anything yet, but stuff on the Deep Dark slash Warden is going well. And one of the biggest challenges is performing AI and porting hoping for the best. So uh, we'll have a link to that tweet in the show notes as well.
0: Yeah, I I wanted to include that just because I know a lot of people have been a little pessimistic about the inclusion of the Warden in 1.18. We haven't seen it pop up in any snapshots yet, presumably because they're focusing on terrain generation and getting that right before they also add another biome (laughs) into the mix. Um, But it's it's really cool to hear that King B-Dogs is at least somewhat optimistic about the inclusion of the Warden in 1.18 because obviously that was one of the big uh, selling points one of the big news items from last year's minecraft live and uh, yeah it's exciting to hear that things are going well on that front uh, again we want to have king b dogs back on the show once the warden is released <laughs> to talk a little bit more about it once he's able to say everything so i think it's it's kind of good to hear that that's uh that's going well uh, speaking of Minecraft Live, though, we we have a save the date for Minecraft Live. I'm looking forward to it as ever. Uh, would like to restream it again, if that's something you're up for, Joel. We'll obviously talk about that more um, in the uh, the between episodes. But um, yeah, the, the introductory video for it, the announcement video, is mainly an animated thing. Doesn't really give away anything. Big surprise. Um, but I like the style of it. They've got this kind of like classic... Um, the, the the kind of um and now filmed in super color vision kind of things that you used to get in in front of like 80s tv shows and and cartoons and stuff like that so it's uh it's a it's a fun aesthetic for it all um i may have rolled my eyes a little bit on hearing there was another mob vote <laughs> how about you joel i may have injured myself rolling my eyes about the mob
1: vote <laughs> i won't i won't confirm
0: or deny mm-hmm. i think the mob, um, the mob vote is kind of infamous at this point it feels like a community meme that the developers are kind of in on the joke for um as you can tell from some of their twitter activity as well um i honestly think on the one hand yeah it, it feels a little bit silly that we're having another another mob votes after the way the last two have gone in terms of like people not really liking phantoms all that much and then the the, the glow squids obviously turning around its reputation, but for a while people were just like, what does this do? And uh, I honestly think at least there isn't another biome vote, because we are still potentially uh, expecting the four rejected biome ideas to be reintroduced to the game at some point, Uh, maybe in 1.19, who knows, we'll see. Um, In terms of what else they could have done in terms of getting the community to vote on something, I would honestly like to see them take a vote on new generated structures, in future there could be another good direction to take these um in terms of you know do you want a variant on a desert temple or a jungle temple to be added do you want this entirely new thing that we could add to other biomes um th- there is potential for this to expand beyond just voting for a new mob every year um but yes we we have a <laughs> we have another mob vote on the way i'm wondering to put
1: a positive note on this if there's potential for a new mob vote to hint at biome or gameplay changes like for example if a frog is part of the list of mobs to vote for that could point towards well if we're going to add a frog we might as well add some more stuff to to swaps mm-hmm. you know just in general just so the frog doesn't feel like just like an add-on uh, that hopped in there i so there's there's potential for them to say, well, if we're going to do that, we might as well just go whole hog on it. Um, but I mean, I think we'll talk about more of that in in the main discussion. But I just, yeah, for me, it's 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 a great trailer. Uh, I like the style of it. I like the feel of it. I'm looking forward to and always do the little animated announcements that they do with yeah. Agnes and Jens <laughs> uh, with like the pixel art stuff like that. Yeah. Those kind of things are such fun moments in the spirit of minecraft and uh the the cuteness of it and uh, i just i love the inventiveness of it and i i sometimes they do follow through like i really feel like goats and mountains have um they've gone they're not as cartoony obviously but they've definitely gone you know above and beyond what they set out to do with those those little trailers um for the mountains biome so uh well i mean we'll see but i think it's i think it's going to be at least interesting to watch and obviously yes 100 percent down to, to cover it live
0: Awesome. So uh, Experimental Snapshot 6 is the other the other big piece of news uh, this time around. And yeah, I, I got into this one having missed out on 4 and 5 while I was away and i think it is coming together very well uh, every time i load up one of these new worlds in survival i find new and exciting things to look for i find in this case i found a uh, a river that completely encircled a pretty large hill and i thought the river was going to lead out to an ocean while i was looking for oceans to check out these new underwater cave carvers and ravines uh, being reintroduced and uh ended up being tricked by the render distance, actually, because the the world was still loading in front of me. And I thought, oh, this river is widening. I'm sure this is going to lead out to the sea. Nope, <laughs> just a really wide river because rivers are like that now. Um, And I got a really good comment, a really good observation from from my YouTube comments about this, uh, which I'm going to read in full here. Um, Honestly, the rivers and fjords are the most unexpected and one of my favorite changes, because not only does it feel like a natural river that carved its way into a valley, but it also feels like the world giving us more reasons to build bridges that are slightly more practical than current ones. With current rivers, you can build bridges for aesthetics, but you can usually just power through a river that you can sometimes even jump across at its most narrow part. And now with the new river generation, bridges are not only aesthetic, but also very functional in early to mid game. And I thought this was a really interesting comment because yeah, we talk about building bridges. Like I've built one on Empires recently. You've talked about bridges that you built over various kind of rivers and things. But a lot of the time, The rivers don't really amount to much more than streams and and like the commenter says here you can you can just jump over them or you know you jump halfway across and swim a couple of blocks and you're out on the other side whereas now rivers actually feel a bit more of of an obstacle and a difficulty to cross like they would in the real world once again going back to our discussion last week about the realism of minecraft it's not necessarily a huge struggle for the player to cross a river in minecraft but it at least evokes that familiar feeling of we should have a bridge here otherwise we'll just have to keep getting our feet wet every time we want to go to that island over there
1: yeah there's that there's that essence of time you know like your real world time in game how many hours are you sitting and playing minecraft and when you want to get something done quickly trudging across a river slows you down Mm -hmm. as i notice it especially whenever i go back to uh, you know working in experimental snapshot or, or starting a new world and you go to do something and you just jump into the water to go i'll just go over here it's only seven blocks and then you remember you don't have uh any enchantments on your boots uh you uh it takes a long time <laughs> especially if you start building in water like doing a, a quick water stream or something to move items around and you don't have those enchantments like it really does slow you down so um building a bridge not only is going to give you something cool to do um but also uh you know just allow you to to traverse faster and just have that feeling of getting things done more efficiently however there's also opportunities to do stuff like well if you have access to slime why not have a slime block launcher that just pushes you across the Mm -hmm. river you know like just you know like you you can do a bridge or you can be like super dave and just be like (laughs) and and go across the river so there's lots of potential there uh uh i i've no i didn't i don't have a lot to say about the snapshots uh one thing i've noticed in terms of the notes and the tones of them is that they feel like they're getting more granular yeah there's less broad strokes Uh, I feel like we're getting closer to seeing an actual snapshot rather than just experimental ones. Um, I don't know whether experimental is just because they're kind of throwing spaghetti at the wall or because of the performance things. And they're like, okay, well, we can't call it a snapshot yet because it's still wildly performing differently and causing crashes and things like that. I don't know. I. I'm hoping that that we're going to start seeing some snapshots because I mean like Minecraft live is around the corner, but we're also getting really close to the release date. Like we're only talking three to four months <laughs> yeah. before they want to read this, release this. Right. So like, I'm hoping to see some more finite process and things that we can report on. Cause like, I know that we are talking about the experimental snapshots, but everything they do is kind of up in the air when they with the word experimental in the front of it. Like, I mean, everything yes. is subject to change. So it'd be nice to have some solid things to plan for, because as I'm getting into builds and, and thinking like well i'm i'm coming up on a year on the the west hill build on the citadel which is mind-boggling to think about but as i want to expand and do other things i'm thinking about what do i want to build when the the snapshot comes out and i want to plan for that i can't plan for it just yet because i don't know what things are happening so yeah. there, there is a thirst for in of knowledge for me to to know what is finite um, not to rush the process. I think it's, you know, obviously important that they're taking the time. But, um, yeah. the other thing that I noticed about about the snapshot was the focus on underwater stuff. yeah, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about a lot of caves being flooded from zero to forty. I I, I don't know if I really want to have to deal with having to go underwater all the time when I go underground.
0: Uh, see, um, in my experience, it's just under oceans. I think the the changelog yeah. is a bit more specific about that. It says, um, You know, the cave carvers now carve through sand and gravel under ocean floors. Um, The caves under ocean floors actually lead somewhere instead of being cut off. One consequence of this is that caves at Y0-40 to below oceans are more likely to be flooded. Now, the below oceans there isn't emphasized in the article, but in my experience... Playing around in the snapshot, that does seem to be pretty accurate. So, I don't cool. think you're going to find aquifers everywhere else, but oceans, it is more characteristic of them. And I think in some of Henrik's uh, screenshots that he posted on Twitter this week, you get to see a little bit more of that in action. So, there is a kind of side, like a, a, a cross section, a slice of the terrain that is being shown with. A lot of caves underneath an ocean uh, in layers which are all flooded but then the ones to either side are not um and so hopefully that should be the case that you're not going to see flooded caves everywhere just underneath oceans where the water would naturally find its level point below you know the the ocean itself so yeah i, th- I think it it makes a little bit more sense for for things to to be flooded underneath oceans but not everywhere else
1: Jumbo Sale, one of our lovely moderators in the uh, Discord chat, mentioned that uh, Henrik mentioned more about aquifers in his video that we just mentioned. Uh, there's a quote-unquote near water variable, so only caves below oceans are flooded, and those not near water will be uh, won't be flooded. So that's cool to know. I, again, thanks thanks for the heads up on that from the. Uh, from the Henrik video.
0: Yes, yet another reason I need to watch Henrik's video about this. Mm -hmm. Uh, Going back briefly to what you said about the difference between these being experimental snapshots and the regular snapshot development cycle that we are used to, I think one noteworthy thing about these experimental snapshots is they aren't compatible with each other. You know, you can't bring a world forward from one into the next. It always gives you the warning that these aren't compatible because they were created in a previous version. And I think the, re- the the goal for the regular snapshot development cycle is that you can bring a world forward each time, right? So I, I have yeah. a feeling that we'll start to see in the experimental snapshot cycle, once they get the terrain aspect as nailed down as it's going to be, uh, pending maybe a few tweaks in future, that's when they can kick off the... you can keep a world through all of these snapshots and keep rolling it forward. Uh, That is certainly my hope, (laughs) at least, because otherwise, um, yeah, it's a little bit tricky to test things long term in these snapshot worlds if you can't stick with a persistent world. And even when we started the experimental snapshot cycle, you were saying, you know, I'm hoping that we'll be able to bring them forward eventually because, you know, you can only get in there for one stream's worth of material before there's another one coming out the following week. Right, yeah. Moving on into email this week, if
1: you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Uh, that's the only email address that we check, so please use that one. From Frontrunner Jake, a landscape artist in our Discord, ORS and alloys. Johnny and Joel, I have been listening to the podcast since the beginning of summer and I loved every minute of it. Thank you for creating such an amazing podcast. Well, thanks very much, Jake. My question to you is, do you think Mojang should add more metal ores and alloys i love playing with engineering based mods immersive engineering immersive railroading tinker's construct etc many of these types of mods add more metal ores and more common alloys that are used in the real world with the addition of copper to the caves and cliffs update what do you guys think about the idea of adding steel brass bronze and other commonly found and used metals throughout the world thanks again for producing such a wonderful podcast i look forward to listening to it every week front runner jake was run over
0: by a railway train while trying to stop it <laughs> that's it's not a death message we're used to um no yeah so having played around with like a, a surface level brush with most of the mods that uh, that front runner jake is talking about here i find it a little overwhelming when you have a ton of different metals a lot of which all have very niche uses and I think the problem that you run into with adding new metals, like the problem that copper had initially, was people immediately suggesting, oh, it needs to be used for for tools and armor and stuff like that. And it just doesn't have a place in our current tier system, right? So with with copper tools and armor, you can't expect them to be better than diamond or netherite tools. So nobody is going to be that interested in getting them. They aren't required for the material progression to diamond or netherite tools. So those are just going to be skipped over except by a very small proportion of people who just value them for their aesthetics. Um, And the same is kind of true of gold tools, except in some circumstances, gold tools are faster than other tools, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I think where the example of Tinker's Construct can come in is We don't need more generic weapons and armor, but Tinker's Construct has a variety of other weapons and things that it adds, and I wonder if other materials maybe give us the opportunity to expand weapons and armor beyond just, you know, diamond chestplate, diamond sword, that kind of stuff, and into maybe other types of weaponry. You know, we, we had the addition of the trident and the crossbow more recently, and if a combat update is coming up in future, there is potential to add in a variety of different weapons. I'm not certain like where that would go, but it would certainly open up a bit more option for for PVP combat and PVE and with the right balancing could be quite an interesting vanilla system. Uh, So I do wonder if maybe adding stuff like brass and so forth can lead to stuff like that.
1: I forgot about the combat update actually as an implementation uh, implementation for this. Um I always think about like a conversation about like you know how much of the real steel, brass, bronze things need to be added into Minecraft. I had the same apprehension that that you did when I read the email about I you know, I don't think we necessarily need things that are just like people are gonna want to make armor out of them, but then like where do you fit it and why would we need it? Um and I don't really think that we'd necessarily need more weapon and armor tiers but i when i wrote that down in the notes i was thinking more about like swords shields you know armor that kind of thing i didn't think uh, about other kinds of weapons because i'm not familiar with tinker's construct so um that kind of stuff i think would be interesting i'd like to be able to change the way something looks or you know give give it some more fantasy feel and I, I think it goes along especially with like say what you're doing on on empires you know like being able to make a wizard staff you know yeah. um and like a projectile weapon instead of a bow and arrow if you want to use uh i don't know like make a wooden um, wizard staff you can have a couple of different tiers of it wood metal you know some other kind of made up magical thing amethyst staff whatever um gives you an opportunity to do something that's not um we'll say not as violent you know like Mm -hmm. shooting i mean we're shooting zombies and skeletons but we're shooting them with arrows uh and if you wanted to have something a little bit more passive like zapping them with an energy ball would be you know a little bit less less violent Mm -hmm. um also also more fun um i would love to have like kind of like it would be great if you shot a zombie with a a energy ball from a a staff and have it kind of like cartoon zap, like, you know, like that. I think that would be really fun. Um, And, and I think that like going into alloys like that, well, it makes sense. And there's some potential from an education standpoint about like smelting steel and how that happens in the real world in the same way that, you know, you have some educational processes in Minecraft already. I think there's an opportunity for special things like, um, Pistons, maybe steel pistons do something different than regular pistons. Mm-hmm. What about special rails or special minecarts that are made to go faster or handle more load? Or I don't know, maybe they're bigger. Like just the different things that you could do, um, even just from an aesthetic standpoint of having something look different and be able to use that in different builds. Um, but then, you know, like we talked about with the copper alloy, um, people want it to be used for wiring. I thought about copper tubing as a fun thing. Um, but then you have to, you know, you have to kind of get into like, well, how does that work in Minecraft? Like, does it fit the fantasy idea that happens in Minecraft? And that's where I say, well, alloys aren't necessarily a bad idea, but I'd like to them to have more of a imaginary feel. Like, what about glow steel? I mean, that has some fun potential. Like, glowstone and, and iron come together into mm-hmm. creating something that glows. Like, instead of having a torch. You know, in your hand and, and like an optifying, when that generates light, maybe your sword just glows uh going to our lord of the rings conversation from the pre-show yeah exactly you know it glows glows when zombies are nearby yeah (laughs) exactly you end up you end up with a suit
0: of armor that looks like it's made of the the radioactive material from the simpsons like it's all like glowing green (laughs) the entire time or like glow in the dark paint kind of situation yeah yeah that could be really fun i like that as an idea and like in terms of real world alloys like the main reason to alloy anything is to make it stronger effectively right is to to kind of remove some impurities and weaknesses and stuff. You, t- you talk about steel, it's just like iron with a little bit of extra carbon, maybe some chromium if you want stainless steel. All of that stuff ends up being, um, you know, it-, it has a few purposes. Some of it is to avoid corrosion and things like that, but then it- these are all factors which don't necessarily affect Minecraft tools or blocks to begin with, with the exception maybe of durability, which you know, we have unbreaking enchantments for that, and then you start working with diamond materials and you don't really get that stuff anyway. Um, I think I think the part of what, what would be really nice about adding new materials is an aesthetic thing, uh, whether they're, you know, end up being decorative blocks like copper is right now, or say, for example, that we imagine netherite as a substance has the the option to make weapons appearances more transformable. Uh, So once you've upgraded to netherite in a smithing table, adding that netherite sword back in with an ingot of another material allows the smithing table to change its appearance. And then you end up with, you know, you can turn your netherite sword into like a steel falchion or, you know, something like a a cutlass or something like that if you add some copper to it or something. Maybe a little bit more aesthetic. And again, allows a few more textures to creep into the game, allows people to feel a little bit more of a sense of ownership, adds a role play to just having the same sword as everybody else functionally, but a different looking sword uh, aesthetically. I, I think it'd be more fun to implement a system like that than it would be to just add in you know and now you can make a tin sword or something like i i don't see that many people using stuff like that in terms of a material progression at all it just adds more skippable materials at that stage
1: What do you think we talk about the uh, potential of Minecraft Live?
0: Yeah, let's do it. Uh, It seemed like the thing to do, (laughs) at least now that it has just recently been announced. So I figured, yeah, we could talk about what we know, which is very little, uh, but what we can take an educated guess at in terms of both what the mob vote is going to bring and potential themes for the next major update, which would be Minecraft 1.19. Remember, Caves and Cliffs Part 2 is going to be version number 1.18 on both Java and Bedrock, I believe now, since Bedrock is... Uh, caught up to Java in terms of version numbering. Um, so let's start with the mob vote because I feel like this is the discussion that we'll probably talk about for five minutes and then throw in the garbage, right? I, yeah. I,
1: I'm i really hoping that they can present three unique mobs. Not mm-hmm. a cow variant, not a squid variant uh, to call on some things that they did last time. Not that I dislike the glow squid. It's still you know, an interesting addition, but I feel like having three mobs that are not just variants of existing mobs would have a lot more potential. That means no matter what happens, something brand new is going to happen in the game, right? Um And that's kind of like where I, I sit. I I don't know about whether I, I prefer a passive mob or a um, an aggressive mob because I, I like goats. Like, I think they're fun. You know, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And um, I don't know if we necessarily need it to be an enemy, like a zombie, but what I got to thinking about just now, as we were talking about rivers earlier on in the, the, um, terrain discussion, what if something dangerous was in the rivers? Like what if it's a, a crocodile or, oh. uh, or, or something or something or something fantastical, like maybe it's nothing that we've seen in Minecraft before. I don't know. Um, because if you want a reason to not just be able to jump in every river that you see and walk across it, like, you know, you don't care. That could be another reason to build a bridge or a player launcher or something. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, that could be kind of fun. Um, I'm also, I guess some of it might depend on what they actually want to do for the, the announcement. Like if they do go with a a different, um, uh, like an end, Update or something like that, then what kind of potential does that mean for a new mob, right? Yeah. So what I wanted to ask you was, is there anything from Minecraft
0: Dungeons that you'd like to see on the mob vote list? Mm, Yeah, no, this is this is interesting. This is where it gets into the territory of what we know the Minecraft team is capable of producing, right? The Dungeons team in particular have their fair share of variants. Uh, of the existing mobs in the game like you know there's mossy skeletons in the jungle awakens DLC and so forth there's tropical slimes which i think were even like brought into the game from Minecraft Earth for the hidden depths DLC but then you've got things like illager wind callers who are from howling peaks and they manipulate the wind they can stir up a whirlwind that kind of knocks you up into the air for a few minutes they're kind of the the wind counterpart of the isoliger which was rejected from last year's uh mob votes. um there are woolly cows and stuff like that in the the um the howling peaks dlc as well there are mountaineers who are a variant of illager that have a pickaxe and like warmer clothes which could work well if they wanted to incorporate those into the new mountain biomes to give those uh, uh, something a bit different maybe a mob that can run over powder snow to attack you but when you run to meet it you're tricked into running over powder snow uh, in the heat of battle and you end up falling through um, so there's there's potential for stuff like that um i think perhaps some of the more interesting unique mobs uh come from uh things like jungle awakens has whisperers which are effectively living plants that call vines up around you to block your way um and, and they are sort of a reskin of geomancer illeges from the base game but they they have a very different aesthetic to them they're they're like yeah vine creatures basically which could make an interesting addition to jungles as if jungles weren't hard enough to navigate in the first place so and aside from the obvious like the redstone golem would be fantastic as a mini boss that you could either summon like the wither or maybe encounter in uh, deeper caverns but then that maybe muscles in on the territory of the warden a little bit so it's kind of interesting to see where that goes but dungeons has such a variety of mobs or being focused on the combat experience that there's there's definitely a lot of uh potential to be mined there what we know about the mob votes just based on the video announcement that they made is that unless they've just done this because it's a precedent from uh the last couple of votes there will be three choices uh the, there's a, a chicken jumping on a pressure plate to vote for number two but the you know one and three numbers are clearly visible in the background so in previous years like the first time they did minecraft live as a stream and they had a uh, a community vote there were four mobs introduced in that but i think since then it's always been a vote for three options um so we're presumably going to get three different ones i think there is the potential for um yeah either minecraft earth or minecraft dungeons characters to make their way in there is also the potential for cave mobs um, now that cave biomes are a thing and are also 3D biomes, so spawning can be restricted to those areas. Um, yeah, I, I think it's It's possible that we get a mob that might be more unique to dripstone caves or lush caves. Um, so so there's potential for something like that to be included in the mob vote. It's not going to make or break those updates because we're already getting the lush cave and the dripstone cave in 1.18 as they were originally announced. Uh, but I think there's there's potential there one thing i'd like to call out from the video as well is that uh they the the voiceover for it says something about the next block breaking mob to be added uh and then there's an asterisk on the screen that says mobs may not break blocks (laughs) and so they're obviously trying to like undercut it with a bit of humor and say like you know this isn't necessary don't take this too literally uh we don't want to give away anything about it yet um and and block breaking is like block busting in terms of like a movie, right? It's meant to be just like yeah. a, a, a big re- reveal rather than it being something literal to be taken about the way these mobs are going to behave. So don't, don't read too much into that, I think.
1: I like the idea of, uh, of a cave mob. Like, I like the idea of taking mm. these new biomes that we're getting and having something and having it be not like axolotls are cute and they're a real world animal and they're weird looking. So they kind of fit. But I would love to see them just make something up. Like, yeah, what kind of Minecraft creature lives in a dripstone cave? I would like to know.
0: Yeah, some kind of, like, rock crab or something even. Like, I don't know, there's there's some potential there. Maybe it's a rock crab that drops dripstone or something like that. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. There's, yeah. there's, there's, there's options for that kind of stuff. And again, it's not something that's going to necessarily make or break the game, but um, they did pretty good stuff with the Glow Squid. So whatever the options end up being, I think, even if it doesn't seem to have a lot of potential at first, we could see it be you know, t- take on a little bit more potential after after that. The the, the team is smart. They, they kind of know what they're doing when it comes to brainstorming ideas for this stuff. Um, I was thinking, based on what we already have in the world, it could also be fun to have some mobs that are linked to some of the newer resources. So people have been asking for copper golems for a while, mainly I think because they wanted a good way to farm copper. Um, but now we seem to have a bit more solid mechanics regarding that and the Drowned. Uh, copper golems could still be an option, but maybe they have a little bit of a different utility. Uh, maybe they can be, they can take simple instructions and maybe, like, move items from place to place for you or something like that. Um, you know, there's potential for amethyst fairies or something like that, or maybe some kind of mossy swamp thing creature, which now that I think about it, is a little bit more like the Whisperer from, uh, from Minecraft Dungeons. So there's, there's potential for some of the newer resources to, uh, you know, expand in their relevance to Minecraft as a game overall, and maybe give people other options for farming those things when people aren't too keen on the automated farming process of a geode, but they also aren't keen on going there and fortune stuff manually. If there is some kind of amethyst creature that also drops amethyst shards, that gives people a third option to explore if they want to, right? I, I really like that idea. Uh, I like
1: the idea of because Minecraft is so material focused with all the different blocks that you get, I love the idea of a mob made up of those new materials. Mm-hmm. And, and plus, it, it just could look so cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And w- whether or not you'd want to sacrifice amethyst fairies en masse to get yourself some amethyst shards depends on how brutally you play Minecraft in general. <laughs> what kind of bad mojo does that get you? I mean, exactly, right? You know, t- Talk about <laughs> bad omen status effect, you'd probably get something even worse. Um, so l- let's move on to the th- the potential theme for the next Minecraft update because I'm sure, you know, Mojang has been thinking about a lot of this stuff for a while. They probably have various things up their sleeves Obviously, community feedback has played a big part in us getting a a cave update in the first place. So I think potentially they're still going to be plumbing the depths of what the community, you know, the, the the community discussion has been, what needs improving about the existing state of Minecraft. So while we can't necessarily speculate about what Mojang is going to invent out of thin air, we can talk about some of the stuff that the community has overall been thinking. Needs to come soon, and I think the 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 biggest one is probably an update to the end dimension, right? I, I think you would probably agree, Joel. But um, after the Nether update, the end has seemed pretty empty by comparison. Um, so so that yes. seems like a sensible thing, right?
1: That I think that's where a lot of people are starting, and. Uh, I'm glad that they've announced Minecraft Live because I, I get uncomfortable with a lot of questions live on stream when people ask like, "What do you think is coming next?" I'm just like, "We're still talking about what like is happening in 118." Yeah, I don't want to. It feels like you're putting the screws to the developers when you're talking about, well, what's happening in one nineteen? It's like, well, I don't know. Like, yeah. Can they finish what they're working on first? <laughs> but especially,
0: <laughs> especially after a year where they've had to split an update in half to make sure that the team right. isn't overworked, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, and that that's where my hesitation, like, sh- do I want an end update? Absolutely. Of course I do. But that's where my hesitation of guessing that the end is coming next uh, comes in. And that is, I think it makes sense. I think that's probably the most popular. If I was to just anecdotally look at the player response, I would say that an end update is probably the most asked for. However, my guess is that the next next update will be more subdued, if nothing else, just just to give the team a break and not actually attack something as monstrous as the end uh, for an update. That said, it does kind of teeter back and forth in my brain. I could be wrong now that they've done the nether update which was in my mind wildly successful uh it looks amazing uh they're now looking at incredible terrain changes in 118 and by the time this next update is going to come out 118 will be out and all of the terrain changes will have been if not finalized at least worked through to the point where they have a process for it and so rather than going into the end update with no tools They would have a lot at their disposal as to what they can do with 3D biomes, with terrain generation, with the biome and terrain generation being separate. So I don't know if that makes an end update easier uh, or if just, again, the thought of overhauling an entire dimension is just an awful lot you know, for the devs to go, to go into. That said, with the end being so bleak as it is right now, the blank slate could just energize the developers and they could be champing at the bit to get at it. I don't know.
0: Yeah, no, totally. And I I think the end update definitely has a lot of momentum behind it as an idea from, from the community's point of view. Um, the last major update the end got was in 1.9, which is now, 8 updates ago, it's going to be 9 by the time 1.18 rolls around, and there is a lot to say about this, like biomes technically exist in the end already, but all they do is decide how the terrain is shaped and whether chorus plants grow there or not. But now, like you say, if they're potentially going to add something similar to the end in terms of the terrain formation they've been applying to the overworld, the end landscape has the potential to produce some pretty wild terrain Uh, think back to you know a a good handful of episodes ago now where somebody had a custom world set up that made the landscape in the end look enormous and mountainous and i think it may even have been like a a side effect of one of the the early snapshots for caves and cliffs actually where you know there, there are sort of enormous you know cliffs and overhangs and stuff added into the end islands which weren't intentional but were a really cool looking side effect and so with the majority of end terrain looking relatively flat, just adjusting a couple of parameters like that makes a big difference. So the terrain changes wouldn't even necessarily need to be whole new rafts of flora and fauna and things like that to make the end feel a little bit more alive, just as a baseline. Um, You also have the look at how the end could develop aesthetically from the end dlc for minecraft dungeons which is definitely a lot more than just a few endstone islands it is a paradise if your idea of paradise is very alien uh it introduces a few different concepts like a material that causes a void debuff that you know multiplies the amount of damage that you take and all of the void material kind of has that shimmery end portal quality to it there is, you know, the addition of purple grass and purple plants and these weird alien things that seem to grow in a way that doesn't—that implies gravity doesn't work the same way. There are trees hanging down from the sides of islands and there are plants that grow at geometric angles and you end up with uh, a new and interesting color palette for a Minecraft Dungeons level, but also a lot of ideas that you can take into regular Minecraft. There have been some community-made mods that have done things similar, you know, Energetic Expansion being, I think, the main one recently. But there have definitely been some end updates in the past that have introduced a little bit more life, maybe more materials to the end as well. So it's, like you said, it's a blank canvas for a potential future update. And I think the only thing preventing Mojang from tackling that head-on right away is the idea that once the end is redecorated... The end might feel more complete, the game in general might feel more complete, and it might be harder to decide a direction from there when looking at future updates. So it's a trump card, but it's a card that they might have to wait in order to play to get people more interested in it again.
1: I know that we've seen uh, a tweet at some point from King B Dogs about, you know, I'm glad that we didn't go with like glowing mushrooms in our, in our cave update, uh, because it seems like every game out there is, is doing that right now, and mm-hmm. it's nice that we're doing something different. And uh, I've been recently researching some modded Minecraft stuff that I want to play through uh, for fabric mods. And there's one called Better End. Well, excusing the name, um, I would argue, I don't know. I kind of think some glowing mushrooms in the end might be just what they need. (laughs) (laughs) Like, there are some really cool screenshots in this mod. And I know that glowing mushrooms are kind of like a meme when it comes to video games. But there's something to be said for just, you know, glowy stuff in dark environments. It just looks really cool. It, it it looks nothing like anything else in Minecraft, save maybe the brighter colors that they've introduced into the Nether uh, in the the Nether update. So I don't know. I am I'm, I'm happy for them to take a meme and make it their own if they want to go into um, like the Minecraft Dungeons idea. I, I mean I I've, from what I've seen of watching the End expansion in, in dungeons, I like the look of it. Like I, I love the the alien landscape and the idea that gravity works different is really cool. I, I like the idea of everything kind of having like an upward float to it like particles going up instead of down like that kind of stuff feels really spacey and and alien to me and um i what how do you feel about the end if it is an end update how would you feel about the
0: end getting harder uh i would be fine with that because i think the main two obstacles you have in terms of difficulty in the end right now let's let's remove end cities from this discussion for a second the the only thing you need to worry about is a falling into the void which is fairly simple to do, and the landscape is the only thing that creates that sort of difficulty. And then Endermen being really hard-hitting mobs. Um, and outside of that, there aren't too many challenges out there until you get into an end city and you're being levitated all over the place by shulkers. And you know, that, that's potentially like, now I'm taking full damage, so that adds maybe a third element to it. But then I I think the overworld has so many more challenges in terms of, you know, you've got to avoid lava and falling from high places and all sorts of different mobs and the fact that it has a day night cycle. So the challenges vary from day to night. And then the nether now has all of the different biomes with their own individual challenges. I think the end is so uniform at this point that it could do with maybe some areas which have some more risk and reward involved. The end cities are effectively dungeons, the sort of mini dungeons that generate out there um, in the more traditional sense, not in the Minecraft dungeon sense. We'll get to those in a minute. Um, But I think it needs something, maybe more of a threat in the landscape, whether that's more fauna, more, you know, hostile creatures, or if it's, you know, materials that make it harder to move around but might be desirable to bring back with you. Um, you know something like the the end equivalent of lava just to use a fairly basic example there's there's definitely potential for it to have a spike in difficulty and it's the kind of thing that you're going to the end to get elytra so it can make the journey to get elytra more interesting more epic and then you can circumvent all of the difficulties that you might encounter traveling through the end because then you can fly over the top of it afterwards once you've reached your ultimate goal i don't see elytra as the objective for the outer end islands really changing it's about the journey at that point it's about what happens on the way
1: yeah i agree i like the idea of um something like a a, a another version of a berry bush that you you, the player takes damage if you're going to walk through it Mm -hmm. so the if the grass kills you then you have to mow it you know like it slows you down it makes you think about well what's going to be the easier way to traverse this like how can i get across this not anger any mobs and then also you know maybe maybe that's also provides a tool like if you can pick it up and take it home with you like what can you do with it once it gets to the overworld that kind of stuff would be kind of fun uh what um what if any i know that shulker shulkers have their projectile bullets but in the end dlc are there any other ranged mobs in like the enderman variants
0: yeah the enderman variants has uh it's like a blast ling or something like that they all end in ling and i forget which is which now because i've only played it all the way through once but yeah there, there are a couple of different enderman variants there are there are ones that act like the spiders in minecraft dungeons do where they'll kind of like web you from a distance and then they run at you and start wailing on you with their fists there are the giant ones which are just like really heavy hitting more so than normal enderman and then there are ones that effectively, yeah, they they wait for you to levitate up in the air sometimes, and they shoot projectiles at you quite rapid fire, um, and oh, they do yeah. just like chip damage, but it's you know it's a lot of damage if you're surrounded by them. Um, yeah, so so there's potentially you know Enderman variants from Minecraft Dungeons can be brought over, and that provides another another option for a, a combat challenge in uh, in the end in vanilla Minecraft as well i'm thinking about the other stuff that 1.19 could be though and uh just based on the ideas that we already know about uh expanded archaeology is one of them um archaeology was cut from the caves and cliffs update because it deserved more development time to live up to its potential and obviously because they were trying to narrow the scope of caves and cliffs so that it could get done before the end of the year uh, they didn't feel like archaeology was going to feel like a complete feature with the time that they had, but they still seemed keen on the idea. So 1.19 could potentially revisit that idea with a little bit more brainstorming done and a a broader system for archaeology to apply to. Um, and while archaeology wasn't necessarily everybody's thing as an idea, I think now people have started to have had more time to think about it and now that it's been taken away from them I feel like people are now warming to the idea of archaeology being a potential future update how would you feel about that Joel?
1: I've never been excited about archaeology so having that be expanded into its own update and and ironed out to me um, I'm sure there are going to be players that find it interesting and engaging and I, I would have confidence that that Mojang would be able to do it well. Yeah, I would just, I would probably just have to just, you know, lean back in my chair and say, like, well, it's just, it's, this is not
0: going to be an update for me. One of those like, um, I'll believe it when I see it kind of things. Maybe like, you know, you, uh, it, it's it's I not mean, something that on a surface level is going to get you excited if they announce it as like a big reveal. Um, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And I think I think too that um, I'm always happy to be proven wrong. Yeah. You know, um, case in point, um, you know, uh, Deep Slate and Tough. You know, yeah. still don't like Blackstone, but I've, I've <laughs> come around on some of the uses for Deep Slate and Tough. Ha- actually having some time with them. And I think that's one of the things that is hard with with Minecraft gameplay versus Minecraft announcements, right? Like, I mean, Minecraft gameplay is time intensive and announcements are just surface level. And I feel like until you get hands on, it's really difficult to kind of just look at something and, and form an opinion on it. Um, but there was just something off about what they presented with archaeology last year that it just didn't sit right with me. I thought this doesn't even feel like part of Minecraft. I don't know. I don't and I and I know that's a common thing. Like everything feels like a weird mod until it's actually part of the game for a year. Um but yeah, like I just I archaeology is is not on the list of things that excite me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- that, I think that's fair as well. Like, it's it's not going to be everybody's bag and I expect if Archaeology was announced as a full theme for an update, they would have something accompanying that because having taken a look at the community reaction now, I would hope that they realize that Archaeology as a theme is not going to excite everybody and that they pair it with something else in the same way that, like, the Village and Pillage update is like, hey, Pillagers as a combat challenge, Villagers get a revamp. It could potentially be archaeology and something else right um so potentially the combat update we were talking about earlier have jeb has been trialing combat updates with the community before the focus switched to working on caves and cliffs in fact I, i can't remember when the last one came out but it may even have been pre nether update but there is potential for combat to be revisited and i know that's probably another region of the game that you don't really care much about but again that's potentially going to excite the people who aren't excited by an expansion of the story side of minecraft the lore and the the stuff that they were talking about archaeology potentially providing for players um another potential uh theme for this or if not necessarily a theme then something to include in this update is of course going to be the leftover biomes from the previous year's biome votes we had desert badlands, swamps, and savannas, all as the losers from the last biome votes which Tiger and Mountains, respectively, won. Um, But the ideas involved have been kept on the table for the future. Uh, Tigers and Mountains were just being updated first. So potentially this allows... The changes to overworld terrain in 1.18 to shine even more because it encourages exploration. If there is new stuff to go to a savanna for, more people are going to be looking for those savannas when they explore the the remodeled world. And it is potentially an update that, while obviously they had plans for each one, they had a mob for each one, they potentially had a a tree or you know some other kind of thing like that for each one, and there were mechanics involved with those. It still a relatively small scale thing compared to what they're attempting with Caves and Cliffs, which is expanding the underground, expanding the overworld, completely changing terrain and adding cave biomes. So potentially if the team needs a smaller update to work on, then four biomes changing is going to be different from all biomes changing in some form or another. Uh, So potentially that's going to bring back things like meerkats, chest boats, frogs in swamps, vultures in badlands tumbleweed a few of the other ideas that they they were knocking around in those animated shorts for each of the uh, the biome votes this is where my money is in terms of if i was to
1: to bet like this is where i think they're probably going to go uh mainly because i uh, you know for all the things that you just mentioned encouraging exploration giving more reasons for players to check out this amazing new terrain that they're coming up with but i also feel like with the new terrain some biomes look a little bit lackluster now that the terrain is getting such an overhaul. Yeah. So you've got the terrain shape now feeling much more like a modern 2021 game. And then you've got the biome decoration in something like a desert or a savanna feeling pretty bleak. I mean, Shattered Savannah being a separate case. But like, if you look at a desert, like there is not a lot going on. And I feel like if they added a few more um, things in terms of the vegetation, um, the activities that you can do there, uh, just enough to kind of add, we'll say life, you know, to those, to those environments, desert might be a bad example, but like anything that could, could use, uh, an overhaul, uh, swamps, another good one. I think that that could be a really good way to add in something that's achievable for the team that, uh, is going to, add more gameplay for most players you know mm-hmm. like i think there's a lot of people that would be just as as i'm not excited about an archaeology update a lot of people are just going to be like, oh, I don't even really go to the end that much. Like I don't, you know, they, yeah. might, they go there for the Elytra and then that's it, they're done. Like that's, they just want to go and explore the that, Overworld, that's right?
0: That's part of the difficulty. I, I definitely know a couple of people who won't even go to the Nether, let alone like mm-hmm. take the extra step beyond that. And I forget wh- where I heard the statistic or how accurate it was, but there's a certain proportion of players that just has never fought the Ender Dragon. And whether that's, you know, because they're younger and that's more of a challenge for them and they haven't got that far yet, or if they just decide that that part of the game is not for them you know to us as as like more long-term survival players and needing shulker boxes and things like that it always yeah. feels a little bit of a a wild thing to say but there's so many different levels of gameplay people get out of minecraft so an end update is always going to carry that risk of like we are potentially updating a dimension that maybe a quarter of the player base isn't going to see
1: yeah yeah so i like the idea of of the biome update i think that would probably appeal to most players i think it would a- also create a, a a variety of things so updating say like maybe they don't just do one maybe they say hey we're going to update you know three of them or two of them or, or like out of the ones that we have planned maybe we'll update things uh, in a different way and here's where i, I want to reiterate something that i know i've mentioned on the show before which is i am much more in favor of smaller more frequent updates than waiting six months to a year for every massive change um I I would be very curious to see if there is a hey we're gonna overhaul like maybe we're gonna update the swamp and the and the desert and the savannah but instead of waiting until June or September of next year you know summer release of 2022 for these updates because 118 is coming holiday so you you wouldn't expect the next thing to come soon after that yeah but if they were smaller updates it's like what if april was deserts and june was savannah and you know september was um swaps you know like just if, if that is the way that they went about it i think that they would be generating near constant attention on the game um i don't know what that looks like from a work standpoint i don't know what that looks like from from the behind the scenes of the team but i i feel like smaller updates would be certainly welcome by me and i'm sure a lot of people in the community um, now, how much does that affect in terms of the time that allows for snapshots and playtesting and feedback? And so like, I don't I don't know what those timelines look like, but uh, I like the idea of smaller, more frequent updates. And when I think about small updates, I'm using big air quotes here. I think about bees and how on the surface <laughs> that was like, oh, cool, bees, they're cute. Honey, it's fun. It has a cool redstone properties. That was a big update. It really changed a lot about how minecraft worked Mm -hmm. but it didn't involve massive terrain changes like it didn't it didn't it's it swept gameplay but not um huge portions of the world and so i'm wondering if if those smaller kind of updates might might go along um with what they do next
0: prowl in our live chat has mentioned that uh he doesn't see mojang doing Uh, biome overhaul so soon after a major generation update because a lot of people are going to start new worlds with 1.18 and then feel like they need to start over again if new generation comes in 1.19 my counter argument to that is that mojang still wants people to you know bring their old worlds forward into every update and the trade-off for that is obviously that you explore further afield but i think 1.18 being so big (laughs) I doubt people will have been able to do a huge amount of exploring in their world, even in six months of pretty consistent gameplay, and not still be able to just go to the next desert over and find the new desert update there. Like, I don't feel Mm -hmm. like people are going to... Maybe on, like, much more active public servers, for example, but... I, I still feel like those are the people who will be happy to just trim down areas of their world if it means an, a new style of desert generates there. I don't think we can count out stuff like that, and I don't think the team would let that kind of thinking get in their way if they felt like it was the right time to update some of that stuff, because there are so many alternatives now, especially with some of the community tools that are out there, there are alternatives to just completely restarting your world. There is deleting chunks and regions, there is, you know, a variety of things, and and depending on what tools are available for bedrock players of course but i think it is it is not necessarily going to stand in their way to update something like that the end is that's why the end is maybe like a safer bet because it's easy to reset the area outside of the central island where the dragon fight happens um yeah. but then again like like i said there's the trade off of the end being a less visited dimension overall um, Before we uh, wrap things up here, I think one last potential strong theme for 1.19 that I've been thinking about obviously for a while is an update to both generated structures and or dungeons um because the community sentiment i've seen around mob spawner dungeons now that we have a completely revamped underground is that they don't really fit anymore they seem like a a bit of a legacy thing and the fact that they haven't been adjusted over the years has felt like a bit of you know they've been left behind by the more modern development of the game while we've seen the developers acknowledge that dungeons aren't really a challenge anymore in the recent experimental snapshots Their response to that was to change the light level requirements for spawning and to make it configurable. And while that's a cool thing for creative map makers, it doesn't really make dungeons the challenge that they could potentially live up to. So people have been wondering if maybe dungeons are due for an update. Uh, Minecarts is also another one, Shepard was mentioning minecarts, and that's something that yeah, they've, they've wanted to overhaul the minecart system I think for a long time, but it depends what they can do to work that into a larger update considering that once again I don't know how many people actively participate in using minecarts for travel and for anything other than maybe a bit of collection from redstone farms that they found tutorials for or whatnot you know there's um the the average player is not going to interact with that as much um and so it's it's trying to figure out which part of an update can Uh, apply to everybody but I feel like everybody goes looking for things like dungeons and generated structures whether they're just exploring their world they find it an easy opportunity to get loot from uh, there's you know items that you can't get any other places so I'm still wondering if there is potential for desert temples and jungle temples to be updated and or expanded Um, and there is precedent for updating legacy structures because they did that in The village and pillage update with villages, which no longer generate the way they used to, there are different houses and different materials for every biome and everything. Um, Maybe, going back to the comment I got on my YouTube video, naturally generated bridges could start to appear over some of these larger rivers, and there's also the potential to introduce new structures in other biomes, including the new mountains. So I think potentially uh, a structures and dungeons update feels like a big enough theme to announce while also having a very specific focus and not ending up with them biting off more than they can chew in terms of the development time would you be excited by that joel do you think a a structures and dungeons update seems like it uh would get you back into minecraft for 1.19 i'm excited about it i don't know
1: how i don't really use them now um in terms of just like dungeons and and i mean i use them for spawners but like i don't go looking for desert temples and things but i think the issue with that is that i i did that when i first started playing Mm -hmm. five six years ago and then you do that on the on the server when you want to find a couple of things and grab the stuff inside and just kind of like see if there's a potential inspiration in an area but Uh, you know once you've seen one desert temple you've seen them all yeah totally Uh, same with jungle right so what i'd be curious about is um the level of variety that we've seen in things like abandoned nether portals in shipwrecks uh in 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 villages villages. yeah yeah i i would love the idea of just like oh there's like well another great example bastions uh from a technical standpoint i don't necessarily see that many of them slash I find them very hard to really discern visually when I do see them. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas if you, if you have a number of one variations in say a a jungle temple, but two, maybe it's, you know, you not just have six different variants, but maybe they interlock in different ways, giving you a number, like exponential kinds of different combinations, you know, piece one and piece six, piece two and piece four. Like, what does that look like when you stumble upon it in in a, in a jungle, Uh, I think that could be really, really cool. And it would mean that when you find a jungle temple, you just, I mean, sure. After a while, you know, the traps and stuff like that inside are all kind of really easy to to handle. Um, but having some sort of inspiration or some sort of like cool idea when you first see, a unique jungle temple for the first time. It was like, oh, I could do something really cool here. I could maybe make this the centerpiece of my build. I could treat it like a ruin. I could. There's all kinds of different stuff like that. And I think that has some serious potential. Uh, I like the idea, too, of these new biomes in the mountains also getting some love with um, not just an igloo, but like, you know, um, some sort of... We mentioned it last year, I think, when we were talking about the potential of an isology or having an isologer cave or an isology um castle or or tower or something that would indicate if you want to go fight them go there and not have to have them be interrupting your your gameplay all the time um so i think there's definitely potential for structures it would it doesn't it wouldn't really affect me so much as an end game player but you know like i feel like there'd be lots of gameplay in it for a good chunk of the minecraft community
0: Yeah, and I I think a good chunk of the Minecraft community is going to be speculating about this all the way up until we hear more about this in October, and I'm sure if uh, folks out there want to give us a pitch for what you think the next update to Minecraft could be, then we'd love to hear from you, Uh, email address in a second, Uh, but for now that's going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener supported podcast, especially right here at the start of the month when everybody is renewing their pledges for September. Uh, If you're getting some value out of the show and you've been listening for free for all this time, please consider putting some value back in if you are able. You can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community. Pledging at any level there gets you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and gets us closer to the goals we mentioned at the top of the show. Our monthly Minecraft audio hangout where we can sit down with the community every month and everybody can tell us what they've been doing in Minecraft that month, we currently have two hundred and eighty-one patrons, which is down six from last week, but still a spectacular number. There is always room for more. Special thanks go out to our content engineers, General Pattern eighty-two, Hunter five five five, Jumbo Sale, Magma Cube Dude, and Yitz for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can
1: find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and say, hey, you should listen to The Spawn Chunks, and you can find it on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Honestly, wherever you can find a podcast, just search for us by name. You can email the show with those update ideas at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please use that email address. The RSS feed is linked on the And the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to The Render Distance, the extended
0: version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixoriffs. You can find most of what I do at YouTube.com/pixoriffs, where my Empires, SMP, and Hardcore Survival Guide series are currently ongoing. I stream three days a week on Twitch, doing behind-the-scenes work for the aforementioned YouTube series, and I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find on YouTube just by searching for it. Aside from that, I'm at Pixoriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio,
1: is at joelduggan.com. The Citadel Cafe is my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. You can check that out at thecitadelcafe.com. I'm going to be talking about the What If series happening on Disney this week. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where I am streaming almost every day for the month of September, which is the September promotion on Twitch. I'm going to be playing Minecraft, Satisfactory, uh, hopefully a few other games, doing some live art, and maybe even some
0: live Lego builds. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks, the world outside is infinite, and this podcast is brought to you by Pillager Radio Vision.